Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 36 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the Gospel of John, chapter 14, in which we see Jesus gives words of peace, comfort, and encouragement to his troubled disciples. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible Orthodox Version because the World English Bible is in the public domain. To get the most of this podcast, it would be good for you to take about five minutes to read John chapter 14. Let's get started. We are now ready to study John chapter 14. The setting is the night of Jesus' arrest and the day of his crucifixion on the cross. The Jewish day began at sunset, so it was already the day of Jesus' death. By sunset the next evening, which would begin the next day, Jesus will have already died on the cross. None of Jesus' disciples with him had any idea of what was going to happen in just the next few hours. Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet and had sent Judas away. Jesus was telling his disciples that he was leaving them and the disciples were beginning to be troubled about what Jesus was saying to them. Jesus knew they would be even more troubled with his death and the three days wait before God raised Jesus from the dead. Even though Jesus had told them at least three times that the Son of Man had to die and be raised from the dead three days later, they still had not grasped this. Jesus gives his disciples three commands, followed by a statement of fact, which is followed by a promise. This, in turn, is followed by Jesus stating that his disciples knew where he was going, and they knew the way. The first command Jesus gives his disciples is to not let their heart be troubled. The heart is the location and source of one's thoughts, desires, and affections. The Greek word terasso means troubled. It is used in John chapter 5, verse 7, of the waters being stirred up. In John chapter 11, verse 33, it is used of Jesus troubling himself after he was angry in spirit in the context of Mary and her fellow mourners mourning the death of Lazarus. In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus' soul or life was troubled knowing the suffering he was about to endure on the cross. In John chapter 13, verse 27, Jesus was troubled in spirit, knowing that Judas was going to betray him. In John chapter 14, verse 1, and in verse 27, Jesus tells his disciples not to be troubled. On the surface, it appears, Jesus is being troubled, and he is telling his disciples not to be troubled. Jesus appears to be saying, do as I say and not as I do. I have been troubled, but you, I don't want you to be troubled. Jesus was troubled in spirit, and his soul was troubled. Spirit and soul points to emotions in this context. Jesus is telling his disciples not to let their hearts to be troubled. The heart can also point to emotions, but also to the will or thoughts. Let's look at the at these verses in the uh, in their Greek tenses in Greek. 
In John chapter 11, verse 33, Jesus was angry in himself and stirred up himself or troubled himself. That's in the aorist tense. The aorist views the action as a whole. It does not tell us whether this action was instantaneous or over a period of time. In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, My soul has been troubled, or is troubled. That's the perfect passive indicative. This can indicate a past action with an existing result. In John chapter 13, verse 21, Jesus was disturbed or troubled over his him being betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And that's in the aorist passive. In John chapter 14, verse 1, and John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says to the disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. That's the imperative, present, passive. Why does Jesus address the disciples as a plural and say, Let not your heart be troubled, instead of, Let not your hearts be troubled? This may be an example of the singular referring to each and every disciple as an individually. The present may but does not always denote continuous action or repeated action. Here I think Jesus was telling them not to, to continue to be troubled. He tells them how to overcome continuing to be troubled. The key is trust in God and belief in God's promises. When Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, it is an imperative. It is a command. But the words for belief, believing in God and believing in Jesus, can be indicative, that is just a statement, you believe in God, you believe in me, or an imperative, believe in God, believe in me. If both are indicative, then Jesus is saying, you believe in God and you believe in me. If both are imperative, then Jesus is saying, believe in God and believe in me. Other possibilities are indicative, imperative, which is, you believe in God, believe also in me. Or imperative, indicative, believe in God, you believe in me. The morphology of the verb to believe includes a pronoun ending of second person plural. That's you plural. The morphology for the second person plural for the indicative is spelled the same as the second uh, person plural for the imperative. This occurs both for believing in God and for believing in Jesus in John chapter 14 verse 1. The solution to not allowing your heart to be troubled is choosing to believe in God and choosing to believe in Jesus. Let's look at the cure to being troubled. One, let being troubled not continue. That was Jesus' command. Two, believe in God the Father and believe in God the Son. That is, to trust in them. Uh, they already Disciples already believed in God the Father and they believed in God the Son, but they needed to trust them in this difficult situation that they were about to enter. Also, the cure to being troubled is to believe in Jesus' promises and provisions. The promise of God's house in heaven and uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit, which we'll see later. 
What does it mean when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you? Is that what Jesus is doing now in heaven? Or is he referring to his death on the cross that prepared the way for us to enter heaven? The cure to being troubled is also the peace that Jesus gives. See John chapter 16, verse 33, quote, I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have trouble, but cheer up, I have overcome the world, End quote. Here in John chapter 14, verse 1, uh, it, Jesus' command not to be troubled is followed by either one or two statements of fact or one or two state uh, two commands. The, the second person plural in Greek can either be translated as a statement of a fact or an imperative, which is a command. Notice that the World English Bible translates both as imperatives, believe in God and believe also in me. Uh, the, the, that's how that would be uh, understood. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1 in the World English Bible has Jesus saying, quote, believe in God, believe also in me, end quote. But it could be translated, you believe in God and you believe in me. Or it could be translated, you believe in God, believe also in me. Or it could be translated, believe in God, you believe in me. However, since Jesus starts off with an imperative, quote, don't let your heart be troubled, end quote, it is best to see these as either two imperatives, believe in God, believe also in me, which is what the World English Bible has, or at least as you believe in God, believe also in me. In the context of the Gospel of John, the disciples of Jesus already believed in God the Father, and they already believed in Jesus. So here I take this to mean that Jesus is telling them not to be troubled in this difficult time they are about to enter. Uh, Jesus is telling his disciples to continue to believe and trust in God the Father and in Jesus in this difficult time. His disciples are wondering what Jesus means when he keeps saying he is going and they can't go where he is going right now. Jesus reassures them that God the Father's house has many homes or places. Jesus was going to prepare a place for his disciples among the heavenly homes of God. He does not say what he will do to prepare these rooms or homes. Possibly it was his death, resurrection, and exaltation that was necessary to prepare the place for them. Jesus promises to come again and receive his disciples to himself so they can be where Jesus is in heaven. Today Christians have the hope of the second coming of Jesus Christ in which he will receive the church to himself. Jesus told his disciples that they knew where he was going and they knew the way to where he was going. But Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, told Jesus that they did not know where he was going. He then asked Jesus, how can we know the way? Jesus then talks of his close relationship with God the Father. First of all, Jesus is the way to the Father, verse 6. Jesus reveals the Father, verse 7. Jesus' words are God the Father's words, John chapter 14, verse 8. And God the Father works in and through Jesus, verses 9 to 10. Let's look at these. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus said, quote, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, end quote. John chapter 14, verse 6. 
Following the Mosaic law or self-righteousness will get no one to the Father. One must come to God the Father through Jesus. All other religions are false. Jesus is the only way to God. The Catholic Church or any other church is not the way to God the Father. Only Jesus is the way to God the Father. Second of all, Jesus reveals God the Father. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 7, quote, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him, end quote. Jesus' words are God the Father's words. Jesus says in John 14:10, "The words that I tell you, I speak not from myself, but the Father who lives in me does his works." End quote. God the Father works in and through Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, verse 11, quote, "Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works." sake, end quote. Jesus' disciples will do greater works than Jesus did on earth. Jesus will be working through his disciples' prayers so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. See verse 13. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's in verse 15. Jesus promises to pray to God to give his disciples another helper to be with his disciples forever, verses 16 to 17. Jesus promises to come to his disciples in verses 18 to 21. Jesus says he will not leave his disciples as orphans, but will come to them. He tells them because he lives, his disciples will live also. Jesus is in the Father, and Jesus' disciples are in Jesus. Those who keep Jesus' commands love Jesus and they are loved by God the Father, and Jesus will love that disciple that loves him and will reveal himself to that disciple. John chapter 14, verses 18 through 23. Besides Jesus promising the presence of God the Father and God the Son in verses 23 to 25, Jesus also promises the presence of the Holy Spirit in verse 26. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 26, Quote, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of all that I said to you. End quote. John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus gives his disciples peace. See verse 27. Jesus says in John 14, verse 27, quote, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be fearful. The rejoicing of Jesus being with God the Father is found in verse 28. Jesus' disciples are to rejoice because Jesus is going to God the Father, and the Father is greater than Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 28, If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I said, I am going to my Father, for the Father is greater than I. End quote. John chapter 14, verse 28. Finally, Jesus makes clear that Jesus obeys God the Father. See John chapter 14, verses 29 
2.31. In summary, this chapter talks about overcoming a troubled heart. Let's look at some of the characteristics of a troubled heart. A troubled heart has anxieties and fears, or anxiety and fear. A troubled heart may have worry. So how to deal with a troubled heart? One, trust in God's plan. Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me. Also, we need to trust in God's provision, the provision of a home in heaven, the provision of another helper, that is the Holy Spirit. Third, to uh, deal with a troubled heart, we must access God's provisions. Believe in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we must accept the provision of another helper, the Holy Spirit. How to access God's provision of another helper. We see in John chapter 14, verse 12, that Jesus is going to the Father. His disciples will do greater works than Jesus did. This is likely referring to miracles or to reaching out to more people to find Christ as their Savior. In John chapter 14, verse 16, we read that Jesus will ask the Father to give his disciples another counselor. The Greek word there is for counselor is parakletos. I would translate the word that the World English Bible translates as counselor in this context as helper. Jesus says he will send another counselor, which suggests he had been the disciples' counselor while he was here on earth. What is the meaning of parakletos, and what does the word parakletos mean here? As noted, the World English Bible translates this word as counselor. Let us explore the meaning of parakletos. Here I would translate it as helper, but in 1 John 2.1, I would translate it as advocate or counselor. How do we determine the meaning of the word as used here? I suggest the following methods with a priority in this order. One, by studying the usage of this word and how it is used in this context. Two, by studying the usage of the verbal form of this word. Three, etymology of the noun for etymology of the verbal form, and five, how it is translated in other languages. Usually, uh, the word parakletos means someone who comes to help or assist. They're a helper. How does the helper help? Uh, they can come alongside someone and give them encouragement, comfort, advice, guidance. Here it is used in reference to the teaching and reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in Jesus' name. Look at verse 25. The Holy Spirit teaches us like Jesus taught his disciples. See verse 25. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus taught. See verse 26. This was especially true of the apostles of Jesus who sat underneath Jesus' ministry for three years. The Holy Spirit reminded them of what Jesus taught so we could have an accurate and true New Testament. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, John chapter 16, verse 13. Now, since we have the Bible, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what the Bible says, but we need to read and study the Bible. 
The Holy Spirit will declare things that are coming, we see in John chapter 16, verse 13. In John chapter 15, verse 26, we see that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and he bears witness of Jesus. In John chapter 16, verse 8, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, exposes the sin of the, of the sinful, exposes righteousness, and exposes judgment. The term parakletos also appears in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, in reference to Jesus being our advocate with the Father. Typically, as used here, it means a person who represents a person in a judicial proceeding. The person comes to help them in the legal proceeding. Let's look at method number two, the usage of the verbal form of the noun. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the verbal form is parakaleo. It renders the Hebrew word for comfort. For example, um, Isaac was comforted after his mother's death when he married Rebekah, Genesis chapter 24, verse 67. In the New Testament, the verbal form of this noun is used in reference to someone calling for help, such as a person begging to be healed, Matthew chapter 8, verse 31. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, we read that those who are blessed who mourn, for they will be comforted. To exhort someone to stay true to God is another usage of this term. In Acts chapter 11, verse 23, and in 1 Corinthians 14.31, it's used of to encourage or exhort someone. So you could translate it in different contexts, the verbal form as uh, comfort someone, exhort them, or encourage them. Does the Bible ever use the term or concept of the Holy Spirit being our advocate in a legal proceeding? The answer is yes. In Mark chapter 13, verse 11, the Holy Spirit will give the Christians who are arrested for their faith in God, the words to, that they should say in their defense. In Luke chapter 21, verses 14 to 15, Jesus is the one who gives the words to, to say in that setting. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, it is the Spirit of the Father who speaks in the arrested Christian because of their faith in God. Does the Bible ever talk over the Holy Spirit helping us? The answer is yes. The Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul says, quote, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which can't be uttered, end quote. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 talks about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But also note that God the Father is the Father of all mercy, and he comforts us in our afflictions, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. This equips the Christian to comfort others, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. In Philippians 2, 1, we discover that there is constellation of love in Christ, but this verse also talks of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We also should consider that the disciples were soon in need of a comforter when Jesus died, so we must not overlook the translation comforter. In Acts chapter 
1, we see that after Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, that Jesus ascended to heaven. He prayed to the Father as he promised, who sent the Holy Spirit to the church just like Jesus promised. How do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? God gives the Holy Spirit to each and every believer in Jesus Christ, who repents from their sins and turns to Jesus in faith for the forgiveness of sins. God gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, the crowd was convicted because of their sins. And they asked Peter, what are we to do? Peter said this, quote, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. End quote. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Right before Jesus says he will pray that the Father will give them another counselor, referring to the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, quote, If you love me, keep my commandments. End quote. When we repent of our sins, return from our sins, and start to obey God and keep Jesus' commandments, and it's when we are born again that God gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit. Before we finish this lesson, let us look at the commands found in John chapter 14. First, there is the command not to be troubled and not to be fearful, which is found when you look at both John chapter 14 verse 1 and verse 27. There is the command to trust in God the Father and in Jesus, despite the anxiety they face with Jesus going away for a while. John 14 verse 1. There is the command to believe that God the Father was in Jesus, and Jesus was in God the Father. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 11, quote, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. End quote. Fourth, there is the command to keep Christ's commandments. John chapter 14, verse 15. And this is followed by the promise of sinning the Holy Spirit. And five, there is the command to rise and go. Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, verse 31, quote, Arise, let's go from here, end quote. Jesus was setting out to do God's plan and the work God sent Jesus to do. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Check out my website at UpwardJourneyBibleStudy.com where you can learn more about this podcast and other resources for spiritual growth. Always remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.